Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson. And on this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, which are highly effective fee-for-service professionals, to always be working on their business and on themselves, personally and professionally. And on today's podcast, which by the way, we also combined with a webinar, I had a great exchange with Matt Halloran, who is one of the founders of Proudmouth. And we talked about the concept of content marketing and podcasting. We talked about both the why and the how, both of which are very important. This was very actionable and designed to be translated into results quickly and predictably. If you like this podcast, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear in the future, please let us know. Thanks for listening. All right, I would like to introduce first our guest, Matt Holleron, co-founder of Proudmouth and podcasting expert, and as always, the author of the Advisor Playbook, Duncan McPherson. Okay, excellent, Tyler, thank you. Great job as always, and great that everybody has made the time in their day to attend this. This is one of my favorite themes because when you can crack this code, uh, as a friend of mine would say, the fish jump in the boat. So right up front, Matt, you are an unrivaled authority in the area of content marketing and podcasting. You're also a very busy guy, so I appreciate you making the time to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much for allowing me to talk to your peeps, man. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. And right up front, I'll just uh, full disclosure, Matt and his team, uh, it's like SEAL Team 6 caliber. And I know that for a fact because they run our podcasting turnkey. And the beauty of outsourcing it to experts is it liberates us to just stay in our lane and do what we're good at. We don't have to get bogged down with all the minutia and start dreading the nuts and bolts of podcasting because you guys just make that easy for us. So I appreciate it. You know, you look at that title slide, why it's effective and how to deploy it. So the why on the surface any, but anyway would seem self-evident, right? Drive business. Uh, but we're going to go a little deeper than that. And then, of course, the secret sauce, how to deploy it. And we want to get into that in great detail. So let's just look at the next slide and talk about the goal, okay? I really want you to embrace everybody. Oh, okay, Slido, there we go. Sorry about that, Tyler, but yeah. Uh, any questions, comments, uh, feel free uh, to chime in. Oh, and by the way, make sure you join Matt and his team's uh, LinkedIn community at Proudmouth. Okay, so great, very active, lots of great insights, specifically on podcasting, but on the universals of content marketing. So um, that would be an essential follow. Okay, so let's talk about the goal. So in business, there's this concept called permission marketing and the law of reciprocity. Okay, so the law of reciprocity, I mean, remember back in the good old days, you'd go to Costco and there'd be a, a sweet little lady there cooking up some sausage and she'd let you sample the sausage with a little bit of that barbecue sauce and you took a bite and it was good, but you just felt compelled to grab that sauce. You weren't thinking about buying it, but that's just the way on that level in retail it works. Well, at a higher level, you can activate reciprocity and sift 
good prospects from the mass of suspects and gain their attention. But this, Matt, is the ultimate goal for the elite financial professional and fee-for-service professional is to land in that nexus between professional contrast and professional scarcity. So professional contrast means you are far superior to anybody else who's vying for someone's business. It's just absolutely not even close. And that's engineered. Professional scarcity is people are drawn to you because they know that you're a specialist, not a generalist, and you're not all things to all people. You're all things to some people. This is one of the big sort of unspoken objectives that comes from content marketing and podcasting. So I'd love your opinion on this. Well, man, you just hit on a lot of stuff there, Duncan. Uh, the, the whole idea of the principle of reciprocity, I'm kind of going to start there because as you continue to create great content, put it out where it's easily accessible and digestible in an intimate manner, whether that's on social podcast video, whichever one that you choose, they feel obligated to share your wisdom with their friends and family without you ever actually having to ask because you're depositing so much good, actionable ideas into your content. That is, that's the key. And that's really where the principle of reciprocity comes from. But I love this professional contrast. You cannot be a podcast podcaster and be a generalist. You just can't. Because then you're up against Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, Jim Cramer, NPR Money, all of those things. Those are generalists. You have to have a very hyper-focused thing and speak their language because then they're like, hey, Duncan knows me, just like all of your clients. Duncan, they speak your language, you speak their language, and therefore you guys have common ground. And you can build that to scale if you do it absolutely correctly. And then on top of that, the whole idea of professional scarcity in in my mind is when you allow yourself as a professional to unapologetically be yourself and get that personality, that uniqueness out into the world, you have zero competition. Okay, that's very well said. And, you know, it's interesting. I had a consultation yesterday with a team and I said to them, I said, every time you're meeting with a prospective client for the first time. I want you to, two, two things. I want you to think about all the different things that propelled and fueled that encounter to that moment, because that's easy to, to dismiss, but that's relevant, number one. Number two, I always want you to have an empty chair in your office in that meeting. And I want you to look at that empty chair as you're talking to this prospective client and imagine their current provider is sitting there. Ooh. Okay, now I got that, by the way, by a guy by the name of Randy Schwantz, who wrote a book called The Wedge. And I'm going to do a podcast. Oh, actually, we did a podcast with him. We're going to do a webinar coming up with him soon. Very interesting psychology. No salesmanship, no closing techniques, no overcoming objections. The premise is for you to get hired, someone's got to get fired, hmm. okay, if they have a current provider. Now, if they don't have a current provider, like you might have people out there who have never done podcasting before, but they're, maybe they're drawn to it. There's unspoken objections and there's unmet needs that that prospective client has that you want to activate and address. 
So with that, let's go to the next slide and we'll start to build on this. Sure. Okay. I want everybody listening to really understand their progression in the industry. Okay. And I affectionately refer to my little acronym there as KEEP, keeping ahead of the Joneses. That's professional contrast and professional scarcity. It's fluid. It's ongoing. You're always trying to put distance between yourself and, and others and expose your competitors for not even being close. Now, this yeah. is done in a very professional manner. And, you know, Matt, one of my favorite quotes is by Hemingway. He said, the goal is not to be superior to another person. It's to be superior to your former self, nice. which is what the pursuit of excellence is all about. But let me just walk through keep and then I want you to chime in on this. So, a typical fee-for-service financial professional, when they started, was in the knowledge category. That's the key. Okay, so when they got going, in the spirit of trying to differentiate themselves and trying to be attractive to attractive clients, they fixated on their designations, their credentials, and the individual solutions that they provided. And maybe at that time, they switched to a fee-based model and they worked hard on making themselves fee worthy. Okay, that was the beginning. Then they shifted to expertise. So they were in the knowledge economy, then the expertise economy. And expertise means, okay, they started being more deliberate, mm -hmm. not just on asset management, but also on practice management and relationship management. They realized I'm not just managing money, I'm managing a business and I'm managing people. With that, they started being more fixated on the client experience. They they amped up their bench strength, okay? And, and they started focusing on being even more deliberate on the type of client they were suited for. Fantastic. And that put distance between them and those who were still locked in the status quo around their knowledge and designations. Now we're at the next frontier, intellectual property, which means every single investment of effort contributes to proprietary assets that someone can only get from you. Okay, so it's not just about having good people, it's also about having a good practice that creates a consistent client experience and having a process that puts every piece of the puzzle together. And clients, strategic partners, prospective clients start to appreciate the process and the practice as much as the people. Oh, and yeah. little subtleties here, Matt. I had to correct an advisor a couple of days ago because he kept talking about COIs, right? And I said, look, that's 10 years old. You got to get, you got to walk circles of influence. What does that mean to a client? That means you're engaging these people to try to get people to refer to you. That means nothing to a client. I want you to uh, engage a value added support team, which is the acronym VAST a value-added support team that you engage into your process to elevate the client experience. This is what IP means. And content marketing and podcasting is part of the IP reality. So I'd love for you to expand on that. Well, the, I love the idea that you're talking about one vast and two, having a deep bench. As you continue to grow as a professional, you want to have the best bench behind you. And and so that that's I just I love I, that's a great perspective change. It's really interesting this keeping up with the Joneses thing, because 
part of our process that we take our clients through mirrors this really well. And here's why. Your first couple episodes do actually need to be, here's what I know. Most it's before, here's what I know is here's who I am. Here's what I know. That's really important because when somebody gets to episode 50, they're going to go back and listen to episode number one. Who is this Duncan guy? Why do I care? Why do I feel a connection with him? It tells Duncan's story. Then the second thing is, what are you really good at? What are you smart? What makes you fundamentally unique and different? That's really the second stage. And then we have this entire expertise marketing component that is how do you distill who you are, what you know, into a manner that's palatable, but where our clients do the best is when they draw from their bench. We have this whole guest system that's based off of these vast people that you have relationships with and you bring them on your show. It's the show cannot always be about you. And in fact, I'm gonna hearken to one of my absolute heroes, Duncan, a woman who very few of you have probably ever heard of named Oprah Winfrey. So Oprah um, never talked about Oprah. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that Oprah's show was always about her guests. Now, was there the brand of Oprah and was Oprah bringing you this stuff? Did Oprah have products and services? Absolutely. But the reason why Oprah Winfrey was so successful was because it wasn't about her. It was about her audience and her guest. When you're creating content marketing, when you're building these vast relationships, it has to be entirely other focused. The more other focused you have shows that you're so much more confident and they're gonna accept you a lot more as a peer, as a fellow expert, and as a person that they want to have a relationship with that goes for your vast relationships, that goes for your clients, that goes for your clients referring people, all of that stuff really starts working together. And so we've built this keeping up with the Joneses process in our system, and I just want everybody to know, I didn't know that. Like, I had no idea that you guys had this this linear philosophy that does have some circular components to it. But that is exactly how we help our clients grow their presence, grow their influence, deepen relationships with the people that they should deepen the relationships with, and always have just an ever-present amount of content. Because when you can draw from your bench, Duncan, if your bench is as deep as it should be, you got lots of great people to talk to and bring them to your audience, which by the way, this is my favorite part of this. When they come onto your show, that is basically an endorsement and a testimonial that you are as good as they are. What else do you need? You know, it's interesting about that. And you got me thinking because the commoditization and the forces at work that are out of our control a lot of people think of that in terms of almost like a Darwinian natural selection. And it's, it, I've, I've found, and I'm sure you have too, that it's not survival of the fittest. It's who can adapt and yep. stay ahead. Yep. And, and what we're talking about here is just staying mindful about plateau avoidance, complacency, and just keep elevating for yourself for your clients, for the people in your community, just keep keep the clay soft, keep working on that. So that is the progression, but that's an interesting perspective. And a perfect segue, by the way, to our next slide, because the beauty of content marketing and podcasting is being mindful of the two or three for one opportunities here, right? Because your addressable audience 
it's not just your existing clients. That's obviously the, the bane of gold. But then, of course, it's the rule of 52. It's the 52 friends and family members of your existing clients. But then it's the clients of your strategic partners within your value-added support team network. And that association and endorsement, Those the, their clients are some of your best prospective clients and vice versa from a collaborative perspective. But then what I'm finding, and I'm sure you're seeing this too, this is one of the silver linings of the bizarre last two years, is more and more people understanding that I've built something here, it's a proof of concept, and I can shift from a B to C business to client model to a business to business model. I'll never forget a very good friend of mine who's been a client forever who is just, Matt, I mean, crushing it every single year. He said to me, when we started embarking on this, he said, why would I just bring on 50 new clients when I could bring on one advisor with 50 clients? Yeah. And he's earned that. He is scalable. He's franchise ready. But the thing is, if I'm an advisor thinking about drafting in behind him or I'm an advisor and I have no continuity and succession plan and I want my clients to be in good hands and I want to monetize on my life's work. I'm a prospective client opportunity that can consume that podcast as well. So there's a multitude of benefits and addressable audiences that come from content marketing and podcasting. One of our, our most successful clients right now found that when he started doing his show, he was getting more advisors who wanted to join his practice because he was doing something that he that they realized was such brilliant and engaging marketing that they wanted to, to draft in. They wanted to hitch themselves to his wagon because he was already bringing in so many new people, so many new um, opportunities from his show. I want you to the, the 52 is very interesting because. What we're finding, our big clients, so the ones who have, you know, a billion, two, three billion under management, they're finding that it is so much easier for their top clients to refer other top clients to the podcast than it is, hey, call my guy. Now, there's still a specific demographic who will pick up the phone and call, but it's starting to become less and less and less and less. If you can build a relationship with your clients, friends, and family and networks through a great medium that is portable and convenient, you just gained access at absolute scale to those 52 people, right? This, this value-added service team, one of the neat things that's happened to us is our vast, right? So our value-added service team that we're able to bring to our clients because of the show. You know, we've got over 350 episodes of the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. And what ends up happening is I just got one today. This woman's like, you know, uh, this guy is a eight-time author in the world of CPAs. He's got his own podcast. We'd love to do a podcast swap. And all of a sudden now he's going to have access to my audience and I'm going to have access to his audience. I didn't do any work for that, Duncan. She emailed me today because we're ever present and omnipresent. 
And we have specific clients of ours who use their podcast for recruiting of younger advisors, because guess what? They listen to podcasts and they're desperately trying to find people to learn from because our industry isn't really great at that. So if you're this advisor who's just putting out all of this brilliant thought leadership about, about financial planning, about being a great advisor, how to run a successful practice, but most importantly, how you impact your clients' lives and show examples of that, you are going to have a lot of young advisors who are going to want to join your firm. And that's a huge, huge game changer, as you know. Now, you said something else I want to touch on very quickly before I, I end my little rant here. The idea that if you, the best time to start a podcast was two years ago. I just want everybody to know that, right? This, that everybody says that about the markets and everything, right? But every episode you get in the can now makes you that much more credible than the other advisors down the street. We were working with this uh, top two mass mutual office a little while ago. And uh, he said to me, Matt, I don't care if anybody listens to my show. I was like, dude, come on, that, that stings. Like I've known this guy Duncan for a long time. And he's like, look, Matt, but people did, right? But he's like, I don't care if people listen to the show. Matt, when I'm going up against another advisor and I say, hey, by the way, if you wanna know more about who we are and what we do and the kind of clients we work with, I've got a podcast. Does, does, your other, does your advisor have a podcast? Well, no, my advisor doesn't have a podcast. Why do you think your advisor doesn't have a podcast? He never answered the question, Duncan, but that seed of doubt allowed him to close so much more business and it elevated him against his competition. You're talking about always staying ahead of the curve. This is a curve that is happening, but I want you all to know right now, there are only 400 registered financial advisors podcasts on platforms, which means two things. Number one, nobody's, nobody's really podcasting on the grand scheme of things. And number two, the advisors that are have no idea how to syndicate their show because it's not properly categorized because right. they're trying to wing it on their own. Okay, so you covered a lot of really important ground there. I took a couple of notes to try to give me some order in how I respond to that. Okay, so fortunately, there's a couple of things you said that we're going to line up on in just a, a couple of slides, so I'm going to park that. I do want to mention the rule of 52 is quite fascinating. It originates, believe it or not, from the funeral home business. The average funeral size, 52 people. Oh, my. Basically, what it means is the rule of 52 says every single client you have in your inner circle has their own inner circle of, on average, 52 people. Some have more, some have less. It's just not It's not the point. The origins are kind of fascinating, I guess a little morbid. But, um, <laughs> but then again, the average other authority that you engage with, an accountant, an attorney, what have you, they would have 52 friends or family members, but of course, they then they have their client relationships too. Massive vein of gold of, of untapped opportunity with varying degrees of predisposition that just need that nudge from an advocacy perspective. So we're going to come back to that too. I want to go to the next slide. You said something that I'm gonna challenge a little bit on because Ooh. you said that person got access to their clients and I did nothing for it. Like I, it just, ha so Picasso, he was recognized on the street in Paris by a affluent lady who stopped him and said, would you sketch my portrait? Oh. And he said, absolutely. And he did it on the spot in 15 minutes and said, that will be 5,000 francs. And she said, 
5,000 francs. It, it took you 15 minutes. He said, no, it took me all my life to do that. Yeah, yeah. So the, the incrementalism, it's funny. My wife was talking to somebody. I overheard the conversation, and she used the analogy of the plumber who charged $450 to stop a rattling pipe. And on the invoice, it said $50 for hitting the pipe, 400 for knowing where to hit. And the funny thing is, she said it to her friend like it was her idea, but I know she got it from me, but that's just the way it works, right? <laughs> Knowing where to hit takes me all my life. There's an incrementalism to being a subject matter expert and a, and a, and a thought leader. So I want you to really fixate on intellectual property and not just what that is, but what it does. So please, everybody listening in, remember something. Every business is built to be sold. This is your life's work. It'll become your biggest asset, and there will be an end game. Your ROI is not just based on the fundamentals of your business, AUM and EBITDA. Oh, there's a typo there on EBITDA. That's my bad. Sorry. I know there's another letter in there, but whatever. Most people stop there. Mm -hmm. The intellectual property. Becoming that subject matter expert, things that I can only get from you add to your enterprise value because they're proprietary. And then your credibility quotient, which means there's no hair on your business. All the books are super clean, right? Your HR is taken seriously. There's no skeletons. Nothing falls through the cracks because of your people, your practice, your process. Remember not just what this is, but what it does. It's like forced savings. You're plowing money into the bank called your enterprise value. Now, you said something else. Mm -hmm. um, and it reminded me of that quote. I'm probably going to botch it, but it's sort of the ultimate description of legacy. And it's uh, trees that are planted by people who will never enjoy the shade of the tree. Okay. I want you to understand where this is all going. One of my favorite content marketers is Brian Westbury at First Trust. He puts out, along with his team, the Monday morning outlook, which is his antidote to conventional wisdom. Hmm. It is hugely followed today. Its origins were very humble. Like everything else that starts out, it's good to start small, but when you detach, like your friend said, your, your client there said, I don't care about how many people clicks and views. I'm going to do it for what it makes of me to have to do it and just be at peace with the way it all plays out. I'm saying all this, Matt, because something that you guys do that I didn't even appreciate when we started working with you is that you're acutely aware of the different forms of consuming content. So you force us in a good way. You're like a personal trainer for us. You hold us accountable to get the podcast done, which is great. We put one in the can, we put it out into the world, and we just wait to see how it lands. But you're not expecting that people just listen to the podcast. You also take extracts of the podcast and enable people in snippets to consume the content from a readership perspective, not just an auditory perspective, I think that is a massive little tweak that you made that we get arguably as much reaction from as we do the podcast itself. So I'd love your comment on that. 
Well, that that is really this that not so secret sauce because as you, as you know, that's something that we do definitely promote. You have to be what what happens a lot of time, Duncan, is people will say, "Well, Matt, uh, don't I have to podcast like every week?" No, you don't have to podcast every week if you've got all of the collateral surrounding that so that the right. idea of your thought leadership is ever present and omnipresent. I want to go back to something you said, though, Duncan, because so so the gentleman who you just referred to and how he came from humble beginnings. I want to hearken to somebody else that everybody who's listening to this knows, which is Michael Kitsis. Michael mm. Kitsis was a lonely blog writer at one point. Lonely blog ride by his own admission. And look at the guy today because he had the right long-term focus. He was focusing on credibility, building his intellectual property, focus, 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 focus. I also think that when you create a specific content marketing strategy, especially when it's focused on a, a specific target market, right? If you and when you go to sell, your practice should be worth more money because you're that guy. So I have a gentleman who works in, in the Pacific Northwest and he works with logging companies, which, by the way, <laughs> they do it pretty well. And, um, and he's the guy. He he actually he's, he goes into the sawmills and stuff and chats them up and all. Of, everybody's like, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy. So when he sells his practice. The buyer can walk right in. They're the new guy. Isn't that more valuable to your long-term legacy? But Duncan, the most vital thing that you just said there is time. All right. People mm -hmm. need to understand that any content marketing or marketing strategy period takes time. It's just like hiring your firm. It takes time to build, to implement, to get everything in place in order for them to be a finely tuned machine. It's the exact same thing when you outsource your marketing to a company. It takes time. You are not going to get your first $10 million client in three months. It might be 26 months, right? That should not be your focus. The focus is I am depositing my thought leadership, my wisdom, my personality, what makes me unique and different into the karmic pool of knowledge. And at some point that creates critical momentum. And for some people it's quick, for some people it takes a little bit longer, but it happens every time. You just described compounding and the rule of 72, right? Being faithful to simple disciplines when the numbers are small and just waiting for the inflection point to happen. And it's almost like the universe testing you to see if you're serious. Mm -hmm. If you're really committed to the initiative, and it, it will scare people off who are hoping that this is pixie dust or a, a magic wand. It's got to build on itself. Yeah. That's the power of inflection point and in incrementalism, which, okay, so let's let's connect these now. Okay, sorry, okay. you wanted to chime in? Well, yeah, I just wanted to say, just to illustrate that point, over COVID, 2 million podcasts were started. 400,000 of them stayed over eight episodes. Wow. A lot of quitters. A lot of quitters, dude. That's a lot of quitters. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Okay. I just to okay. No, beautiful. It's actually a perfect segue. So next slide here. The art and science of business development. I, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm a, I'm a nerd. Uh, and by the way, Michael Kitches, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Uh, those, and I'm sure you've seen this, those with the highest level of capability also have the highest level of humility. They don't forget 
their origins. I, I have so much time and respect for that mindset. And Michael would be in that category for sure. But let's let's talk about the relationship cycle. Okay, so just indulge us here, because I know you take this seriously too. All right, so you put out a podcast. Uh-huh. You interview a strategic partner and you send it out. Mm-hmm. This is what you're activating. Yeah. Forget, okay, so forget about the millions of people out there. The, the signal to noise ratio, there's so much noise. Tune it out, signal. The first thing you're doing, trying to do, is create awareness. Now, you can't monetize that. It's not quantitative. It's qualitative. But the beautiful thing about content and podcast is it's evergreen. Yes. It will float. It doesn't, it doesn't disintegrate. It doesn't evaporate. It's, you turn off the radio, the signal's still there. It's just gone to you. Your content is evergreen. And what you're trying to do is just patiently knock people out of this sleepwalking trance that they're in because they're so uh, consumed by noise, which brings you to the next part of the cycle. And you can even look at this circular because it does a loop close. So you've got these people that have now an awareness for you. Now you're trying to create interest. This is the deeper level of awareness. And and again, back to Randy Schwantz, he talks about the wedge. You're trying to get your foot in the door, trying to wedge between you and their current provider or activate awareness and interest in an alignment between their unmet needs and the solutions you provide. As they get interested and maybe listen to a second episode and a third episode, they start to trust you. Absolutely. Okay. This guy knows what he's talking about and then the then the 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 third chair like the awareness if i'm listening i'm the prospective client i start comparing and contrasting you to my current provider and i'm starting to become aware of the gap yeah which might prompt action where i say you know i raise my hand and i opt in and i say tell me more Okay, you want to add to this? Well, I do. So I want to, especially with action, because we have something called the perfect podcast formula. So every show should have education, entertainment, storytelling, right? So those are the three components to do this, to build awareness, to build interest, to build trust, because here's the deal. People will trust you more when they see themselves in the stories that you share. That is the greatest sales technique ever, in my opinion. But then the most important thing that a lot of people do poorly is that call to action, Duncan, which is that Mm. action. What do you want them to do? Remember, they opted into 27 minutes of your smartness, right? It's okay to ask them to do something. Yeah. Subscribe to the show. Download my white paper. Reach out. Give me a call. Share this with your friends and family. Please don't ever forget the call to action in your content marketing because all content marketing needs to have that level of, of, of action-oriented stuff because, by the way, people are looking for it, and when it's not there, they actually feel left out, let down. 
They want you to continue to tell them what to do because they have been paying so close attention to everything that you have. It, by the way, this is fantastic. Okay, I want to go into advocacy because I'd like to hear your perspective on this, and then I might have a little ad. Okay. Well, the point is, and I want to I want to ask you something that I didn't know. So the perfect podcast formula. That's like a recipe. It's a it's a process. It's turnkey. It just occurred to me. You look at the word formula. Within it is the word form. A financial advisor should be talking about a client's family and the and the dynastic issues around continuity and succession. They should talk about occupation around the work optional lifestyle, retiring and not living in the money, liquidity events. They should talk about the recreational bucket list that yeah. money affords someone, and the advisor should talk about money. Form within formula, that just broadens out the thematic approach to the podcasts. And I think in the spirit of, because there's a lot of parts in the financial services business that aren't that interesting to a client, but yeah. when a client understands what money does, it's a means to those ends around form. That might be an interesting uh, uh, twist for you. Man, you're okay. really so bad for him, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you. So, so create awareness, sift out prospects from suspects, create interest, make it easy for them to feel that trust brewing. Ask them to ask for something. Ask them to opt in deeper. Ask them to request your introductory kit. And bottom line is the ultimate action when the trust is just fully amped up is they onboard. That's right. And then you close the loop because you fast track a new client to advocate status who then starts creating more awareness for you. That's where the loop closes. Okay. I just want everybody to understand this cause and effect dynamic and, and, and the, the science to the art. Okay. Cause they're, they're yin yang. Okay. We're probably going to have to break this up into two deliverables because I, I i'm loving this this isn't work for me you're on you're you're crushing it so let's keep going okay all right, all right. the next slide okay you 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 hit it so well podcasts are the ultimate bridge and one of the actions one of your listeners can take because an advocate is not just looking out for the person who created the podcast, they're looking out for the people they care about. Advocacy goes both ways. So if I listen to a podcast and I feel compelled to forward it, tech, the, the way you bundle the technology, it is so easy for me on LinkedIn to push this IP, this content to people I care about, let alone on a text, on an email, or on some form of social platform. So just please understand the bridging dynamic of making it easy not to refer, to introduce. Right. I'm introducing you to somebody else to create that awareness. I, I want everybody to understand that is a slow, steady burner. But if you go beyond that eighth podcast and stay to it to 20 to 30 to 50, the traction is going to happen. So feel free to uh, add to that. Yeah, I, I love and I love introduction versus referral. And I think that that is the yeah. way that more people feel comfortable. I mean, referral has been used so ubiquitously within the business world that it has kind of a negative connotation. But if somebody says, I want to introduce you to something that I really enjoy, 
it's like a totally different thing, right? I mean, people are like, well, of course I'm going to listen to that because you just told me you wanted it. It's like television shows. Somebody introduced us to Ted Lasso. So we've now watched every episode 50 times, right? And so, but that is such a different mindset that when you create content like a TV show like that, and remember, a podcast is a show, everybody. It's you got to show up. It's it's a performance. When you give that performance, entertainment, education, storytelling, call to action. When you have those perfect, and look at Ted Lasso. I mean, Ted Lasso is a that's a perfect podcast formula in every one of his shows. So anyway, when you do that and then people want to introduce you because you've brought so much value into their life, it is so much easier to introduce something that can be introduced at the click of a button and a tag. Hey, Duncan, I think you would really love this show. Duncan, tag Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever. You can tag the people. That's how you start creating more of this momentum because the more and more people who make those introductions, the better off you're going to be. Well, and let's just go to the next slide. Let's talk about some of the content specifics here because the beauty of the podcast, just by showing up, as you said, is you, you're elevating yourself into that subject matter uh, expertise category, which is terrific. But you're creating this intellectual property. And what's powerful about the way you uh, stretch out the shelf life of a podcast by extracting those nuggets is if I miss the podcast, yep. but then I see a soundbite from the podcast and the, the soundbite resonates with me, it could prompt me to go back and consume it and prompt me to introduce it because that nugget just caught me at the right time. It really resonated with me, which I, I and I just want to come back to this notion of a bridge. Okay, so it's easy to get into this sort of literal mindset where we're thinking, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. Some people are going to listen to my podcast and they might buy something. Okay, there's so many more layers to that. So let's talk about content being the ultimate bridge. Oh, my gosh. We have a partner, a strategic partner called Blueberry. Blueberry is the syndication network that we use to get our clients' podcasts out to the world. And the, mm -hmm. the owner of it has done 10,000 podcasts. It's something insane like that. His name is Todd. And Todd was looking at our clients' numbers. And he's like, Matt, okay, so what normally happens is uh, a podcaster drops an episode. It has a shelf life of about 48 hours, and then it drops off very quickly. So we have analytics all on the back end of this stuff. He's like, that's not what's happening with yours. We're like, yeah, we know. He's like, well, how did you do that? And it's exactly what you just said, Duncan. So what ends up happening is it's it's almost like a wave, but the wave continues to get bigger and bigger. Yes, is there still a 48-hour drop-off? Yes, because the people who subscribe to the show will listen to it within the first 48 hours. But then when you create all of this collateral that keeps pointing back and hinting towards it, you're, all of your numbers keep going up. Mm -hmm. And we've started tracking ours all the way back to episode number one. And we know that there, for every episode that we deposit, there's an incremental increase in every 350 episodes that we've done, an incremental increase in all of the numbers. It is all about maintaining that consistency. And because content is key, you are in the expertise economy. According to Seth Godin, content marketing is the only marketing left. And if you know how to master it, 
good for you. Right. But if you want to figure out how to master it, there are people who can really, truly help you master it to have this bridge be something that people can traverse very, very cleanly, easily and conveniently. I didn't know that about so. So you get the waves, but then there's a ripple effect back to archive content that never occurred to me. And that's actually quite fascinating, which, again, validates the fact that this is, in fact, IP. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. I want everybody just to be, again, there's a Zen element to this. Okay. Like, I mean, look at Matt. He's Zen. He's just Zen. And Zen is, you're just at peace. If you just emphasize the activity and you're at peace with the productivity, let the universe work its magic. I'm telling you, just showing up, going through the exercise is powerful but please just understand the way stars align there is a natural stage of readiness you don't know when somebody is going to say to themselves why do i keep putting up with my current financial advisor yeah how how can i i mean i I, i'm in no man's land here it's easy to ship but it's easier not to but i really like this person Maybe I'm going to reach out. Stage of readiness in every form, every drip. Okay, Confucius said it best. Water dripping on a stone will eventually make a mark. Every drip, whether it's a podcast or the collateral content that's extracted from it, triggers a moment of recognition in terms of awareness that builds into interest, that builds trust, that will eventually create action. And here's the thing, don't be surprised if you have a listener or a consumer of your content who they themselves are not a client and they introduce it to someone who becomes a client before they did. And this happens. That happens to us actually, you know, with Proudmouth all the time. But I I wanna kind of say this because I know we're getting short on time here, my friend. If you're not creating content, your competition is. That That's it. If you don't have a podcast, somebody out there who's trying to go for your clients is podcasting right now. If okay, you're not so, on Facebook, if you're, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but here's what's fascinating about this. And this, I go right back to Brian Westbury. Brian Westbury had this eureka moment. He said, I'm doing all this research <laughs> so I can eleva- elevate myself as an economist. But if it resides in my head, it's a skill. The moment I get it out of my head and make it content and transmit it, now it's an intellectual property. So so the point is, you think about how much reading, continuing education, personal and professional development, and just the things that someone is fascinated in, if you consume that and it stays here, it's only to your benefit. But the the moment you take it from here and put it on paper, put it in a podcast, it forces you to get better. It forces you to differentiate. And it just, it's like, it's always on. It's 24-7. It's floating around out there and it builds. So my I, I guess my takeaway there, Matt, is it's not as hard or as intimidating to bridge from skill to IP as some people think. 
No, especially if you have somebody who's done over 5,000 episodes for financial advisors, right? I mean, you know, this is all we do. We have professional people who pull out. So, Duncan, you're an anomaly uh, within our system because you actually are the primary host of your show. We actually have co-hosts mostly who help interview the advisors to pull out that IP mm-hmm. to get out of their brain and into the world. That is just a nice little way so that the you don't have so much pressure on you. A lot of people, Duncan, very quickly will say, well, Matt, what am I going to talk about for 27 minutes? Well, if you're not going to talk for 27 minutes, right, nobody's going to listen to that. But they will listen to a 30-minute conversation as they feel they are a fly on the wall participating in a conversation that they're very interested in. So there is something to be said about having somebody who's, I don't know, like a coach who's helping you navigate through this so that you can be more and more successful. Duncan, that's what your people do for all of your listeners. They navigate them through the waters to help them be more successful so that they can have their ultimate practice at someday, right? What we do the exact same thing with content marketing. We help you figure out what you're going to say, how you're going to say it. We document it and then we distribute it. Well, okay. And let me, let me sing your praises for a second. Everyone you've got, let's say you work 45 hours a week and you spend 15 on, on managing money, 15 managing your business, 15 managing your clients. Outsource as much as you can. So you can liberate yourself to go deeper into your business and deeper into your clients. And what what you guys have done is you put us in the red zone every single time. And yeah, there's a fee. But you know what? I know how much my time is worth. I don't focus on what you cost. I focus on what you're worth because I show up, I do my thing, and I know everything is put to bed. You liberate me to focus on my core ability. And I never dread You eliminate the hassle factor. I don't dread showing up because the preparation is so solid. And after the fact, I I, I get a sense of fulfillment when I go to my LinkedIn page and I see the traffic from the stuff that you're putting out and populating there. So I'm biased. It works. And you know what? From a personal development and self-actualization perspective, your process forces me to step it up and find another level in my game. So there's a multitude of benefits there. I was going to say to bookend your icon of your bullhorn there on the other side, if flies weren't so annoying, I'd say put a fly on there because it's a fly in the wall. <laughs> fly in the wall. But flies are but maybe like a bee. I love bees. I love everything about bees and bees. I've seen them on the wall before and they're symbolic of productivity and goodwill and nature. But, but that you you just don't know when the stars are going to align and the stage of readiness is going to clip and, and, and activate. So anyway, clearly I have massive conviction for the concept of content and podcasting. Your team is lights out professional. And I'm at a point now where I can feel the traction. I've been doing it now long enough where the phone is ringing. Okay, we're getting inbound and people are telling me, hey, I really love that podcast you did with Ted. Or I really like that podcast you did with the women are here or whatever the case may be. And uh, the community is activated. So anyway, Matt, going to have you back. Absolutely. Because we're scratching the surface here. There's the website for Proudmouth. Pop the hood. See if there's a good fit and put them to work 
And uh, I'd love let let me know. Let me know on LinkedIn if you're activating the podcast because I'm fascinated by those advisors that uh, engage but also stick with it. Okay, so I'll let you have the closing comment, but just thank you very much for being here as always. Dude, I want to write down everything that you just said there and broadcast it to the world because uh, that makes us so happy. I mean, we really truly exist to liberate, as you said, right, and also ignite our advisors to create unbelievable content without it taking substantial amounts of their time. We know how busy you are. Stay in your lane. Help. Let somebody help you bring out your brilliance, get it out into the marketplace in a very easy, convenient, very intimate manner. And and we would love to have the opportunity to do that for you all. So thanks, Duncan. Bring out your brilliance. If only we could BYOB that somehow instead of B-O-Y-B. <laughs> You're going to come up with some acronym, dude. I can't wait. I'll work on it. Hey, a couple of questions here. Oh. I'm just going to take a, a shot at the first one. What content makes people take action? Facts tell, story sell. Tell stories about the impact you're having on people's life and frame your content in form. Talk about what money does for a family. Talk about what money does for someone's occupational pursuits. Talk about money as it relates to someone's bucket list regarding recreation. So form, stories, social proof. That's number one, and I'm sure you'd echo that. You take the next one. Yeah, Twitter. So Twitter is a very viable platform if that's where your ideal target market is, which means that if you're trying to hit people under the age of 45 who are very, very professional and who are really actively looking to delegate, Twitter is a very effective use and a great tool. The social rules around Twitter are very different than any other social media platform. You can post 10, 15 times a day on Twitter, where if you did that on Facebook or LinkedIn, all of your people would unfollow you because you're noise. Twitter doesn't look at it as noise. Twitter looks at it as activity, where all other social platforms look at it as noise. But, okay, good. I didn't know that. But there is an integration. Like when we post on LinkedIn, it also tags into Twitter, right? And you've we got that figured out. Yeah, we've got all of that plugged in. Yeah. No, no, you you guys have got it. You cracked the code bumper to bumper. So I don't even have to think about it. I'll let you take the next one, too, because you'd know this better than me. Yeah. So so time commitment for us, uh, generally from the beginning, it's going to take you anywhere from four to four and a half hours per month to execute two podcasts. And what that means is very simple. One, you have to prepare for the show and know what you're going to talk about. We can help you come up with topics, but they have to be yours and you have to organize them. But then you have an approval process. This is very, very important. It takes us a little while to really glean the voice of our of our client, of you, the advisor. So there is back and forth within the first two or three months and until we really nail it. And then once it's dialed in, you can cut that time in half. So once you're up and running, it usually takes, and it's a lot of it is your own preparation and comfort behind the microphone. But at the beginning, it's at four, four and a half hours. And then after you're probably six months in, depending on you, you can really cut that in half and it will be two hours, 30 minutes to 45 minutes for the recording. And then another 45 minutes for you to re you have to read the content um, to make sure that we gleaned everything that you wanted out of there. But then we're going to try to be as, as efficient and as clockwork -ish as possible. Yeah. I, and I, I never thought about that either, but that is absolutely accurate. And the fact that you engage team members to, to offset some of the supplemental logistical issues, which just liberates me, right. Or, or the lead. So that is terrific. And, you don't leave people to their own devices. You'll prompt them with ideas and themes and concepts that they haven't thought about and just 
forcing them to think it through as an accountability partner. There's no anticlimactic reaction at the end. People feel accomplished when they get one of these things done and in the can. And of course, every investment of effort goes into the rest of the exercise and builds on itself. It's like a force multiplier. So um, anyway, Matt, of course, thank you very much. We'll have you back soon. But uh, in the meantime, uh, take it easy and thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more.